Another mass shooting in the U.S., and frankly, I'm beginning to get desensitized. Of course there are mass shootings when life is devalued from its earliest stages and our society is increasingly individualistic and relativistic. That's why there are more mental health issues. Add guns in the mix, and this is what you get. Guns don't kill people. People kill people, they say, yes. But if those people who kill didn't have guns, it would be harder for them to kill. Guns are meant for killing. That's the whole point. But what does the church say? Well, for the last 40 years, U.S. bishops have been clear that they favor stronger controls and I quote, the eventual near elimination of guns from American society. Some will quote Luke 22 verse 36 where Jesus tells the disciples to sell their mantle and buy a sword to show that Jesus supported self-defense. True, the church would never say it's okay or not okay to own a gun. It might even say it's okay to use one in self-defense, but can we argue that society is better with or without guns? Why don't we ask the people of First Baptist Church in Southern Unspring, Texas to see what they think? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chan. And uh, this is uh, a whole new, all-new show. Very exciting. Emily, we're going to have some news. Actually, no, first, this show, we're, again, recording it on Wednesday, but it airs first on Saturday. It's Remembrance Day. It's it going to be Veterans Day in mm-hmm. the United States. An important day for a lot of people. In fact, I, I had someone recently tell me, he's not Catholic, but he said that the one day that he would go to church would be Remembrance Day or Veterans Day. So I, I think that's very interesting because... Yeah, I just heard about CEO, never heard about Remembrance. You know what CEO is? No, what's no. CEO? No, Christmas and Easter only. Oh, oh. yes, <laughs> Christmas and Easter only. No, yeah. but, but the idea that, that, we, that it's important at a supernatural level to remember or commemorate those who have made incredible sacrifices mm-hmm. uh, for us... Yeah, for the peace, war, for peace. Mm -hmm. I think that's important, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not a liturgical feast. I mean, it's not like it's a a a holy day of obligation or anything. I mean, it's not because it's not a religious holiday, right? Right. You guys have no comment. No No comment on Remembrance Day or Veterans Day here with Emily. All of a sudden, you said Remembrance Day. (laughs) No, it's because yeah. For yeah. a lot of people, I don't know, you guys are not. Maybe our, our, I'm too our, young. our listeners generation. in the United States. I don't know. Yes. Maybe our listeners yeah. in the United States also, because mm-hmm. Veterans Day, maybe for them, it's a little Canada, is not well known for kind of having, although we did, Canada did participate in the Second and the First World War in a major way. Yes. And uh, that's what we remember, except we're not wearing poppies. Are you wearing know, a poppy? No, no. Not. In my heart. In your heart. <laughs> in your heart. Anyway, so uh, today we will continue with... Uh, our usual show format, beginning with the news with Emily. Yes. What are we going to hear about? Uh, okay, so there have been some uh, nominations for the Dicastery of uh, Lady, Family, and Life. Laity. Laity, yes. sorry. Yes. It always sounds like you're saying for ladies. Ladies. Ladies, the Dicastery <laughs> for ladies, yeah. uh, which, which is included in laity. Well, I mean, yes. speaking of ladies, these undersecretaries that have been nominated are two women. Oh, excellent. So um, we're going to talk about that briefly. Um, as well as uh, the Pope's general audience uh, this week, because he started a new series for oh, his good. catechesis. Oh, good. Not talking about hope anymore. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
mean, I like talking about hope, but I'm glad that a year later we're finally Change. changing the subject. Yes. <laughs> okay. So now he's um, talking about despair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're also going to talk about the Pope's intention um, for this month for November. Um, okay. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So all those mm-hmm. details are coming up very shortly, and uh, afterwards, Jillian Cantor is back to tell us what she learned from her kids this month. And then we will end the first half of the show with Billy, who wants to talk about... Yes, we want to talk about afterlife. 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 Yes. So other than hell and uh, heaven. heaven, there's something else. So we want to talk about that. Okay, how to get into how to get in through the back door. <laughs> That's what Billy wants to find out uh, in Church for Dummies uh, at the end of our first half hour. And then um, if you're in San Francisco... If you're listening or watching from San Francisco, we want to hear from you because this week we had in our office the uh, a retired uh, auxiliary bishop of San Francisco, the very first Chinese Asian, well, a- well Asian, Asian, yes, but, but he's Chinese, and he's Chinese, Chinese yeah. bishop ordained in the United States, Bishop Ignatius Wong, and Billy's very excited I'm, about that. I was very excited. Uh, his story is fascinating. Yeah, uh, he has a lot of, you know, for for me. Uh, no, we we did an, an, an a Chinese interview with him. Yes, and uh, we actually go through. We went through the whole, whole life. His whole his life, whole basically. Life. Yes, his whole life. Yeah. The the one thing that I my I can feel of is everything he asked for, God does not permit it. Interesting. It's very interesting. So well, if what you he know told Chinese, me, yes. <laughs> well, watch the show. No, it is. And what he told me, and a little bit of that comes out, maybe won't come out uh-huh. in the radio interview. I also did a TV interview with him um, that he didn't want to be a priest. Yes, he doesn't he didn't want, want to be, to be a, a bishop. He didn't want to go to the United States. He didn't, you know, like all these things yeah. that he didn't want to stay in Hong Kong. So so it, it, you're right. Very interesting. It, it is. But then he finishes everything. Every, he finishes everything that he didn't want to do with, but God's providence. Mm. Yeah. God is providential. So there you go. That's uh, going to be uh, in the second half of our program. Featured chat with Bishop Ignatius Wong. Great man. It was fun to have him here. And then after that, we're going to be meeting. I'm a little ashamed that we haven't had Cooper Ray in our program yet. Never? Because Cooper, no. And he's been doing ministry for, I don't know, 20 years or so, even though he looks like he's still 20 years old. (laughs) He must have started when he was five. Uh, But uh, he has a new album, Anywhere For You. And so it's a good excuse, new music, to have... uh, him in the program so I'm very excited that finally sorry Cooper we haven't had you on the show before but you'll be on the show this week uh, at the end of our first uh, of our second half hour at the end of the program we're going to be speaking with Cooper Ray about his work his music his ministry and so unless you guys have anything else to say we're going to start with a song (laughs) from Cooper's new album Anywhere For You the song is called Jesus Is Here Show 
us the way Open your heart to Him Let mercy enter in Salvation for all Jesus is Jesus is here from his new album, Anywhere for You. And we're going to be speaking with Cooper Ray in our second half hour. Standing in the wings is Jillian Cantor with What I Learned from My Kids. And in 12 or so minutes, Billy Chan will be back here with us uh, to talk about the afterlife in Church for Dummies. But first, Emily's still here with uh, a changed general audience. Yes, exactly. Good. <laughs> I know, it is good. Well, it's not changed, but new topic. Do you want to try to guess what topic, what, what the okay, theme is? So or maybe you know, maybe you know. No, actually, no? I don't okay. know. Okay, you don't want to guess? Do you want to guess what it's about? Uh, no, because okay. I joked that it was despair, but it's not. He's it's not talking not. about hope. No. He's done he, talking about hope. Mm-hmm. Now he's talking about... The Eucharist. Oh, 
Yeah. The Eucharist. Yes, which is the source and summit of the Christian life. So he um, so he started his new series. I don't know how long it's going to go for. Um, I mean, last year when he started his series on Christian hope, he started an Advent as well. Well, we're not an Advent, but, you know, we're almost there. Um, and he did it for a whole year. So who knows? Maybe this will last a year again. I mean, I'm sure that there's lots that can be said on the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, so he said, you know, he mentioned in his general audience that, um, you know, at the second Vatican Council, for example, that they desired, uh, bishops desired to to make known the um, the greatness and the beauty of a meeting, uh, of an encounter with Christ through uh, a renewal of the liturgy. Mm-hmm. So you can go and find his uh, f- full text of his catechesis on our website, on our blog, um, and uh, or, or look at the video uh, online. So yeah, go and listen to his first general audience on the Eucharist. That'll be interesting, yeah, because yeah, he has. I mean, it's not the first time he speaks about the Eucharist, and I'm sure that no, yo, the message that the Eucharist is medicine for the sick and not a reward mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. for the holy mm-hmm. is, is going to be uh, an important uh, part of his messages. Definitely, Good. very cool. Uh, next up, so as I was mentioning, uh, the Pope named two women, two lay women, as yes. undersecretaries for the Dicastery of laity life and family yeah so both of them are italian uh gabriella gambino and linda gisoni okay um both of them are mothers um and uh gabriella is an expert in bioethics and she's also a teacher at a roman university as well as at the john paul ii pontifical theological institute okay yes Mm mm-hmm um and uh and so she was named for the section on life and uh Linda um who's also mom is an expert in uh, canon law and specializes in divine worship and the sacraments okay. um so she's a lawyer and a judge um and she's served um on the tribunal of the diocese of Rome she's also been a professor at the uh, Roman University Roma Tre um and she's she's worked before uh, as a lawyer and a judge on um uh, or served for uh the Roman Rota and the Congregation for Divine Worship and the discipline of sacraments okay um and she was named for the um uh, uh the section on uh, laity okay interesting good yeah. nice nice to have lay people in the pontifical council for laity yes yes yeah definitely okay so uh now the pope's intention for november yes um is to witness to the gospel in asia so that mm. christians in asia bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed may promote dialogue, peace, and mutual understanding, especially with those of other religions. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay. And um, finally, uh, well, f- you know, we've we've heard of what happened in Texas last weekend. Yes. Um, and so Pope Francis sent his condolences um, for the uh, victims and for the families of the victims and the wounded. Um, so he condemned the senseless violence and, uh, yeah, and as I said, heart s- offered his heartfelt condolences um, for those people who are affected yeah, very by, the, sad. By, the, by, by the violence. Yes, very mm-hmm. sad. I'm sure we also have listeners in Texas and mm-hmm. maybe in the San Antonio area. Our prayers uh, go out to you. Um, I just wanted to say something about the prayers for Asia. So it's yeah. kind of interesting. I should have asked the Bishop Wong because we already spoke with him uh, about that. Interesting mm-hmm. how and the Pope is going to be in Myanmar and Bangladesh True. at the end yep. of the month. Yeah. So that's Asia also. So uh, uh, interesting that he's asking us to pray for Asia. So we we echo that Very to our, all our listeners. Yeah. Keep Asia in your prayers. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you, Emily Callan. Emily Callan, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. 
Hi, I'm Steve Angrisano, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you very much. So what did you How are learn? you doing? I'm good, thank you. And you must have learned something from your kids this month. Yes. Um, this month's a little different. It's not so much what I'm learning from them, but a lesson that I'm trying to teach them. And then also, it's one of those things where when you hear it come out of your mouth, and you're like, come on, kids, why don't you understand this? And you say the thing, <laughs> and then you realize, wait, uh, I get it now. <laughs> why don't I apply this to my own life? Um, so specifically, as we are busy with school and uh, boys are getting a little older and who are in higher grades and they have more responsibilities and more homework and more studying, um, we are trying to encourage them to make the effort because it's worth the effort. Um, Joseph, in particular, is kind of like a do-the-bare-minimum kind of guy. Like so me. He has he's he's ass- my boy. He's like yeah. me. <laughs> when he has an assignment, he does exactly what the teacher says and no more. No less, thank goodness, but definitely not anymore. Um, and so uh, he had this one particular assignment where he had to um, provide some sort of analysis on a newspaper article. And it was a funny conversation because during that homework uh, session, I informed him that, you know, Mommy is a, is a journalist, and he had no idea that I could do anything outside of wake him up in the morning and make him lunch. So right. it was funny because I said, you know, if you ever need any help, proofreading something, I could maybe offer you some help. But the key lesson that I was trying to impart on him was, you always have to be thinking of the why. Like, you've answered the question, but then think, what comes next? Why? Like, little kids are always asking why, why, why? So that's the kind of mindset you have to have when you're doing your homework. If you find an answer, then ask yourself why, and it will help you take you, take you to your mm-hmm. next step. So it's it takes an effort, but it's worth the effort. And how we're seeing that um, kind of uh, really stand out in our own lives as parents. Um, David and I are seeing that as we have children in um, schools, and particularly in Catholic schools, that efforts have to be made to ensure that the schools are standing up for the values of the faith. Um, and so we recently had uh, an incident where, not an incident, but an episode or just a situation where a teacher came to me and said, um, I wanted to give the kids a treat in class, and I thought I would watch them, let them watch this movie. Do you think that's okay? And the reason she asks is because she knows with, that we're a little bit more strict than um, mm-hmm. other parents, or so we mm-hmm. might not let our kids see all the things that uh, that that other kids are, are viewing or are listening to. Mm-hmm. And when she gave me the name of the movie, I was appalled. I was so afraid, <laughs> so upset, and shocked, and. I let her know right away that this is not age-appropriate. It's a PG movie, and please do not show that. It's not just about whether my son is scared or whether or not we would give him permission to watch this movie. It's just completely inappropriate for everyone. They were. And she wanted to show them Die Hard. <laughs> it might as well have been. It was terrible. <laughs> so, so then it just became this thing where I'm like, I can't just tell her. I don't want to tattle on her, but I do want to ask the administration, yeah. is there some sort of system in place so that, like if that teacher hadn't asked me, just because she knows that we're a little bit more strict, then she might have just gone ahead and shown this movie and 
that would have been very upsetting for the, the, the kids, but also the parents who find out that this movie has been played. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going over this scenario with David, and I'm saying, like, that, so I'll have to contact the principal, but I also want to just let the teacher know, and then, and then if the, the principal has any questions, then maybe we need to put together a group. Anyway, it was just got to be this long list of things, and I sighed, and I said, ah, it is so hard to be involved. <laughs> But it's, it is. It takes the effort. Mm-hmm. But in the end, especially with your children's education and this place that you're sending them to every day and these people that you're putting them under the care of, it is absolutely worth the effort. And, and I don't mean to make myself sound lazy, but you just, <laughs> but sometimes you just want to hope for the best. But really, you do need to be that voice and you need yeah. to, to put that effort in. You need to be the one out there that's asking why and, mm-hmm. and making sure that it's that things are good. I know. Whoever said the parenting was not hard work. <laughs> and whoever said that grade fours can't watch Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> I say that grade fours can't watch Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So that's the story. That is great. So the lesson is make the effort because it's worth the effort. Yeah, even if it's, absolutely even if it's Even if it's hard work. Thank you, Jillian, and thank you, Joseph, for that lesson. Um, Jillian Cantor is the producer of our Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, and Jane. Hi, this is Sarah Hart, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my good friend, Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can listen to any portion of this program and all our programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan, who's got some questions about the... Afterlife. The afterlife. Yes. Okay. You know, we heard about uh, what is hell and heaven. You know, every I think everyone... I hope everyone knows it. Yes. Can I, and I, and I just, not that we have time to talk about everything, but just okay. a really quick definition. Heaven is with God. Hell is yeah. without God. So absence of God. So an absence of God and a presence of God. Great. But there are two other words that, okay. you know, I always, uh, I always want to know more yeah. about that. So one is limbo. Limbo. Yeah, the other one is purgatory. Not that you know, limbo. Every time I said that, everyone is so happy, but it's actually not a very happy place. Limbo. Or, well, limbo is actually a place that doesn't, uh, the, the Catholic Church does not teach that anymore. Oh. Limbo was, I think, um, uh, a place, and it's not, none of these are pl- physical places. It's places. a state. It's a state. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the the idea of limbo came out of the fact that if someone dies before baptism, like mm. and and in particular a, a newborn baby dies before baptism, uh, they would not go to hell mm-hmm. because the, they're babies, um, and they would not go to purgatory because I mean there was kind of like some confusion as to why they would or would not go to purgatory so this idea of limbo uh, came out that this was the place where uh, uh, unbaptized in particular newborns would would end up um, until the end of time when God would bring everybody into his presence in heaven but the church does not teach that anymore because we the church actually has uh, deepened uh, her understanding that um uh, baptism, even though baptism is the ordinary means for salvation, it is not 
the only means for salvation. So God is not limited to the sacraments. We've said that before. So if you're not baptized, that doesn't mean that you can't go to heaven. Wow. You know, uh, it was surprised. It was a surprise answer yeah. for me. Because um, how about babies that die because of abortion? The baby's not at fault. Okay, so so he's but not. There's no. It's not even. Named. A, 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 if a, if a newborn dies, that newborn has not committed any mm -hmm, sin. Mm -hmm. The only sin, the consequence would be original sin. That we're all born with that stain of original sin, uh, but we believe that God, in His infinite mercy, will do everything that He can to make sure that everybody gets in. So that everybody, that He's going to do everything that He can. He's done everything that people can, so we get in. If we don't get in, it's not because of God; it's because of us. That is more in, in, very interesting. That uh, what about people who died before Jesus come? So before they even know well, Jesus. Yes, because uh, you have to think of time not as chronological time, but okay. as as Kairos time, as eternal time, as 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 untimed time. Yes, so, right. So time so, is for humans. So exactly. Mm -hmm. So even though Jesus, God, became a human being in time. Uh -huh. His redemption, his redemptive it's work, outside. it's outside of time. So we that's what we can say that, in a sense, Jesus' redemptive act on the cross is happening right now. It was okay. also happening at the time of Abraham. Okay. Because it's okay. for everybody. Of so. course, we do not know the judgment, right? We do not know how, how they will be no, judged, right? No, we don't. We don't. Yes. We don't. Okay, so how about, you know, the other, the other thing is... Give me a lot of hope about purgatory. Yeah, purgatory <laughs> is, is a nice, ni nice idea. And again, people will say that you know, how do you believe in purgatory? Because it's not in in scripture. Although, if you study scripture, there are uh, places in scripture where you see that there are references to to this idea that you can be perfected somewhere, um, purified, purified mean? exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like like purifying of of gold and uh -huh, silver, uh -huh. refined. Um, now, it's a very simple idea. Um, in order to be one with God in heaven, we have to be perfected because even though uh, God is perfectly just, he's also perfect. So we cannot be one with God unless we are perfected. Mm. So um, uh, even though God might say, I want you in heaven right now, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, I'm sure that he can make that happen. But we cannot be one with God until we've been perfected, until we've been purified. So that is purgatory is a place where, um, so even though if Billy, at the, when he dies, he, he says, I believe in Jesus Christ, I want to go to heaven, please save me, and you're baptized and all that. Um, the, all the stuff that you've done, all the consequences, all that dirt, all that crap from your life, it's still, you're still with that. So that needs to be, you need to be purged. Um, so that eventually one day you can actually make it to heaven. So that's the uh, the concept of purgatory. Again, it's a state of purgation, of purifying. That's actually give me a lot of hope. Yeah, it does. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. Because uh, um, <laughs> because no. Well, you know, because we can't say that we know for sure that anybody is in heaven. Yes. We can't say for sure that anybody is in hell. We believe that a lot of people are in heaven, but we we have the hope that probably a lot of people are in purgatory, just making their way to heaven. Great. Hope anyway, to see you soon. Yeah, in purgatory. <laughs> and I'm sure that that, that if uh, we have listeners that want to comment on this, uh, we want to hear from you. Maybe you can explain it better than I just did to Billy. Um, uh, write to us, uh, Salt and Light Radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can also reach Billy uh, through Twitter at bjoechan, and you can reach me through Twitter at deaconpedrogm. Coming up in our second half hour. 
a featured chat with Bishop Ignatius Wong, retired auxiliary bishop of San Francisco, and we meet singer-songwriter Cooper Ray. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I've heard so much about how it's against the law to be Catholic in China and that there is an underground Catholic church in China. But my next guest says that it's not that simple and it's not as hopeless. To find out more about this and to learn a bit from his wisdom, earlier this week I spoke with Auxiliary Bishop Emeritus of San Francisco, Bishop Ignatius Wong. Bishop Wong, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for being with us uh, today in our studio. Um, you were born in China. You were telling me earlier that you're 12 generations Catholic in your family. Yes. That's amazing. So there, there are a lot of Catholic, the Catholic Church or the Catholic faith has been in China for many, many, many centuries. Yes. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, well, yes. And the, how did we become Catholic? You know, Matthew Ritchie went to China mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he began to adopt the Chinese customs. He first of all, he studied Chinese, not only superficially, but really profoundly. Mm-hmm. Not only the language, but the culture. So then he can transfer that into the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people, a lot of especially scholarly mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. followed him because he was there and uh, uh, introducing both East and West. So that's how many Catholics began at that age. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was long ago. That was long ago. But even when you were growing up, being Catholic was normal. You grew up in a Catholic community. Oh, yes. You could go to Mass on Sunday. Oh, yes. You had priests that were friends of yes. the family. So what changed? Uh, well, uh, during the communist 10 years, cultural revolution, Yeah. a lot of persecution, um, a lot of... Uh, Priests and laity were tortured for no reason at all. That, of course, including members of my own family. Mm-hmm. But after the Cultural Revolution, so they began to loosen up quite a bit. They returned a lot of uh, the properties to the uh, to the church. Okay. And so we have to be satisfied with what we have. Sometimes they say, "Well, you still owe us more." Uh, but really, you can't argue that. No. If you look at Europe, same thing happened in the history. Mm-hmm. You see, the government came in and took away all the properties and all that, and then government changes, and so the society changes. Right. So we have to thank God for what we have and work with what we have. So what is the 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 the, gov- the current government, the communist government in China? What are they concerned about with? Catholicism. Well, they don't want any Western influence in Chinese culture. Okay. Uh, not entirely without reason. Uh, we see previously during the Qing Dynasty, the end of the Qing Dynasty, 100 years ago, uh, the foreign nations were invading China following the Opium War. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's why they can't tolerate those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, the Opium War was over and all that was over. And then followed by the Japanese invasion. Mm-hmm. During Japanese invasion, again, uh, there's some German missionaries. Good intention, of course. 
because the Germans, they're friendly with Japanese. Right. That helps them with their mission. Many people, uh, missionaries, cannot travel too easily, mm-hmm. but they'll provide transportation for their nursery, for their uh, you know missionary work yeah. as well as the work of charity. Yeah. So they enjoyed that, but then after the war. Mm-hmm. They become traitors. You see, right? That gave another reason uh-huh. for China to persecute foreigners. Right. So they're not just persecuting the Catholic Church; they're persecuting a lot of other people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, even you yourself, as a Catholic, and I, I guess as a priest, and now as a bishop, you are treated as a foreigner. Oh yes. Even though you were born there. Yeah, I was born there. And uh, w- when I go back to Beijing, actually, I don't see too many the original Chinese uh, Beijing people like myself. No, all you know during the Cultural Revolution and after that, we were chased out. Okay, we were chased out to see those government people established government there, so they brought in a lot of the, uh, people, mm-hmm. and so the people changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, often they say, "Oh, I'm from Beijing. I'm from Beijing," uh, but we don't think they are really are. Right. And after I talk with them for a few minutes, they agree they're not really from here. Right. Yes. But you, you've been in San Francisco for many, many years, so you probably found more people from Beijing than in San Francisco than you do in Beijing. Oh yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that's one place I find uh, yes. people in Beijing. Another pa- people uh, place I find Beijing people was in uh, Inner Mongolia. Oh, really? Many of them kind of exiled so over there, there, so-called volunteers, mm-hmm. that including my sister. She was a nurse. Uh-huh. They wanted to have a hospital there, so they they, they need her. You go. Right. Uh, th- that's during the Cold Revolution. Right. So-called volunteer. Okay. When you come down the train, big banner, welcome volunteers. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. And so she went there. Her husband happened to be a teacher. Well, we don't need a teacher there. You stay in Beijing. Okay, so, yeah. Oh, isn't that hard? Huh. So every year, by government favor, you have two weeks, Chinese uh, New Year vacation. You have two weeks together every year. <laughs> that's very I mean, you think that's easy? No. No. So... They had two kids, uh, one born in Beijing, the other born in, in Mongolia. Mongolia. But then afterwards, she was so used to Mongolia, mm. she didn't want to go back to Beijing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, well, oh, she passed away just a, a year ago. Yes. Her husband still lives in uh, in Mongolia. Uh, the kids, uh, he says, I don't want to go back to Beijing. Here's more comfortable. Right. So they're accustomed so to that. So they just got so used there, to you that. So you go there. You taste some genuine mm, Beijing food. Mm, interesting. As well as a language. I, I feel that you way. You feel, so. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Now, how does then the this idea of an underground church or an illegal church or a, compared to the, the patriotic church, I guess, the government-established Catholic church, how does that work? Well, first of all, there's no patriotic church. It's called Patriotic Association. Okay. They will run the church somehow. Okay. They control the church somehow. And they ordain their own bishops? How does that work? Uh, well, again, see, most bishops now, except four or five, I think, are ordained 
with permission from both sides. From Rome and from China, the Chinese, Chinese government. government. Yes. Uh, there must be some negotiation to agree, uh, you know, they select uh, not too, you know, extreme ones. So a little compromise here and there. So that's mm-hmm. how it is. So if I went to Beijing, let's say, to visit, I could go to Mass on Sunday at, a, at the cathedral. Absolutely. And that Mass would be a valid Mass. Valid and licit. And licit. Yes, Which, absolutely. So, at, so the stories that I've heard about people that have Mass in their home, the un, quote-unquote underground Mass, that, that also exists. Yes. And so these are people that maybe don't want to support what the government is supporting? That's right. They think they are just the government-run people, and we follow the Pope. They don't follow the Pope, they follow the government, okay. which is not really correct. No. So that's not your experience? No, no, no. Underground church doesn't mean unseen. They are above ground physically. Yes. I have a relative uh, who's a priest. He called himself underground. Well, he passed away a few years ago. Yes. He has church building <laughs> on top of the church, a big cross. And there's a and bell free. <laughs> On Sunday, he would come and pull it rings the, the bell, pull the rope, and ring the bell. So it's not really underground. You call that underground? No, no. So that's not really. So but we, would, it, would it would it would it operate under the watchful eye? Absolutely. Of the government? Oh yes. So the government is watching. Oh yes. And could they at any moment say you can't do what you're doing? Oh no, 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 no. They're always watching. Yes. And just before the uh, uh, Olympic Games, yes, government came to him. No, not government. Uh, the uh, the church, the patriotic association. Says yes, the bishop wants to build a new church for you here. Mm-hmm. He says, "Oh no, that's not for me." Uh, we, his ch- parish, halfway between Beijing City and the Great Wall. Right during the Olympic Games, of course, a lot of people will be traveling that way. Yes. How nice it is to have a to building have a nice here. Big church. Yes. Catholic church. Yes. How nice we, yes, for, for people tourists. to see. Absolutely. See, we have freedom religion. Look at this. Yes. He says that's why, uh, but that's why he got the church. He objected, but, but that, uh, I don't think he should, should object. Interesting. Of course. Yeah. First, frustrating. He wasted his time. Yes. The church is there. Yeah. Bishop, we have very, about 30 seconds left, but I want to maybe ask you in closing, what is your hope for the Church of China and maybe Chinese and Vatican relations? Oh, there's always hope. Oh, yes. The church is built on hope. Mm-hmm. Always difficulties, but always hope. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Thank you very much for bringing us a little bit of that hope. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Bishop Ignatius Wong earlier this week. Bishop Wong was the first Chinese bishop ordained in the United States. He was the Auxiliary Bishop of San Francisco for 15 years. He was here in our Salt and Light Hour studio this past week. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Cooper Ray, with the title track of his new album, Anywhere For You. If you lead me to Drink from mercy's river till my heart is filled. If you lead me to the desert far from comfort's reach, I'll embrace the wilderness, singing of your holiness. 
That was Cooper Ray with Anywhere For You from his album of the same name. Cooper Ray received his call to ministry over 20 years ago while serving as a counselor at a Catholic summer camp. Little did he know that that experience would lead him into a career of full-time youth and music ministry. In 2014, Cooper released his first solo album produced by Tom Booth, Wake the Dawn. Now he has just released his second album, which we've been listening to, Anywhere For You. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Cooper Ray from his home in Dallas. Cooper, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. It is, finally, I know. I, I hate it when I have to say that someone's been doing you know, a ministry for 20 years and you're just coming on my show now. <laughs> well, you know, that's because... <laughs> You know, but to be all fair, I mean, you know, I've had music for 20 years, so... That's true, um, that's true, that's yeah. true. But uh, I, I, I do have Wake the Dawn, your first album, 
And okay. uh, I don't know. I, I, I've had it. And in fact, it's part of my library. And, and when I learned that you had just released a second album, I thought, wait, well, how come we never talked about Wake the Dawn with him? So I'm going to just say that it just, I tried and tried and tried and Cooper just never responded to me. No, and it was just so busy. It's so busy, said. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll just blame it on Steve Angrisano. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, so Cooper, well, um, tell me a little bit about uh, our listeners are, are are just maybe hearing about you for the first time. We've been hearing some of your music throughout the program, but tell us a little bit about you. What was it like growing up? Are you from the South? Did you grow up in a Catholic family? What was it growing up in the in the Ray household? Yeah, yeah, I grew up uh, actually in a little town outside of Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, and um, and uh, yeah, I grew up in a Catholic family. Um, you know, very devout. Uh, my my mom was like the rock. My dad was more of the 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 role model. In fact, he didn't even convert convert to Catholicism until I was eleven years old. Oh, so, really? What was he? Uh, that's a good question. Nothing. Uh, I yeah, think good. I think Methodist, yeah, or something. <laughs> so, um, but he didn't practice his faith. You know, he always no. came with us. So he was always that that presence, even though he wasn't. Um, in the faith, he still was there with us every single right. Sunday. So that was a that was a huge impact on me. That uh-huh. just the example of of that fatherly role model, even though he even was though not he was at the time. So yeah, and then um, the fact yeah. that he converted, I guess, was also would have been you know an interesting experience for the whole family. No. Oh yeah, that was huge. It was huge. It just it just validated it for me even more. So did did you ever go as a teenager like through that or that that sort of rebellious adolescence or doubting period or anything like that with your faith? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I, I, when you know junior high and yeah. and high school, you, I, I was in that same boat. You know, like people would go, "Oh, Cooper, you know, you're so good and everything like that." But inside, I mean, I was struggling just like everybody else. Mm. And, you know, and, and kind of went through a, a period of kind of falling away from the church when I went off to college. You know, yeah. kind of had those first couple of years of freedom and and in the experience of well, if I don't, my my parents aren't making me go to church, so um, yeah. I guess if it's inconvenient for me to to get to a church to go to mass, then I'm not going to go. Right. And, um, and so sure, yeah, I mean, just like a lot of people, and then I had a conversion. My my junior year in college uh, got more involved with, or, or I guess a conversion, a, a reinvigoration yeah, of yeah, my yeah. faith, and um, and got more involved with. Uh, the Catholic Student Association, and got involved with a couple of Protestant um, organizations on right. campus, and really just like poured myself in, um, in a, for the first time in my life in a very real way into um, who Jesus is, and into Scripture, and into the why behind my Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and really started to ask those questions, not from a um, doubting, but more of like, why why is it that my family brought me up into this faith? There's got to be something about this. There's got to be something about the people in my life who who has who have remained Catholic and you know have gone mm-hmm. on yeah. uh, to promote the faith? Why? Why? And so as yeah. I started to answer those questions, I, I fell more and more in love with the church. Mm-hmm. Were you already doing music? Uh, a little bit. I I had worked at a, a summer camp, like it says, yeah. like you intro in the bio, and I was already two years into being a summer camp counselor, and I started to learn how to play the guitar. And, and we mentioned Steve Angersano. Yeah, he was. Uh, he worked at the camp. Um, on, on a part-time basis, he would come out for the teen weeks, and so right. when he would come out, we would sit down and he would show me some songs. So I was learning how to play, learning how to lead, um, uh, kind of like the fun icebreaker type songs, and learning a little bit about worship music. Um, and uh, yeah, so all the while, as I'm kind of getting to that place of of right. reinvigorating my faith, I'm I'm actually starting to find that 
um, that passion and that light uh, in the music that I was playing. That's great. And learning from Steve Angrisano. I mean, that's that, how cool is that? Although that was awesome. He, w- yeah. he was already like 50 years old and you were still like <laughs> no. five, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you learned to play guitar already when you were in college. You weren't, did you, that was, didn't do music as growing up in, at home? Your parents I, didn't make I you take did. piano I did, I just lessons? didn't play the guitar. I mean, I, okay. I, played the piano and I played the viola and I played the oh, cello wow. and unfortunately I didn't keep up with even <laughs> any of those viola which is pretty now cool. would be really awesome yeah you know? uh, and but you were the guitar is it yeah. made it easy and you know, you, were you sing. singing did you sing like in the church choir or anything like that yeah well you know I, I the I went to a Catholic school when I lived in Kentucky and yeah. uh, <clears throat> I was one of two guys that were that was in the school choir uh-huh. and um you know, it got us out of class, which was kind of cool. Yeah, it got us around girls, which was kind of cool. Of course, of course. And then, um, and I really didn't, I didn't uh, do a whole lot of singing, uh, you know, of, like formal singing uh, with the choir once, like we moved to Texas between my seventh and eighth grade year. And yeah. so when we moved to Texas, I just kind of, all that kind of fell off. I didn't, I didn't join the school choir or anything like that right. when I went on to high school. But, uh, you know, music was always just part of, you know, in my life. And so when I got to camp, then I got an opportunity to start using that, that right. to start really pushing that forward a little bit. Right. And then your, I mean, your first, like you said, the, the composing or at least the putting out albums is a fairly recent thing for you. Right. Um, so was that when you started writing music? So Wake the Dawn, which was what three years ago, four years ago. Right. Um, was that the first time you were composing music? How did that come about? Sort of, yeah. The um, so the the first time I ever wrote, I actually was a uh, part of a a duo uh, acoustic slash acoustic guitar slash harmonica duo with a buddy of mine at the camp. Yeah, named Luke Johnson. Uh-huh. Um, and so we were called Lulu and the Beef. We actually made a tape. <laughs> Back the days of tapes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, huh. and so we wrote songs together. But Luke was more of the lyricist in that, and I was more of the let me let me find a guitar tune that you can yeah, yeah, on yeah. to. But then when it came to the actual composing of the music for Wake the Dawn, uh, that came out of a necessity uh, as I was traveling around and doing um, retreats and mm-hmm. parish missions and conferences and stuff. People go, "Oh my gosh, your voice is great. Do you have a CD?" And I'm like, "No, I don't." And that right. I, I I must have heard that for a couple of years before yeah. it just kind of sunk in. I was like, "Oh, you know what? I should actually maybe write music for a CD." So so that's what I did. And so Wake the Dawn yeah. was the product of of kind of a request from no, from my great. audiences. Yeah. Uh, it was self-published. I, I okay. went out and, and did the whole I did the whole thing myself. Financed it and everything. Um, and that was my, my beautiful wife, Laura, she was like, we need to do this and we're going to put some money aside to make this happen. And okay, so, okay. but Tom Booth, right. uh, I interviewed three people and Tom Booth was a guy who I was like, I don't know this guy, but I love him. He's, he's so great. He's so wonderful. And, um, he was the right fit for me. And so after we finished it, he looked at me and he was like, Hey dude, uh, I, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pitch this to OCP, to Oregon Catholic Press. And I said, yeah, I, I go, just as long as they know that the reason I went, and you know that the reason I went with you was not so that, oh, would that uh, be awesome if yeah. I got OCP to to pick up my my, my CD for a distribution. Right. And, and, you know, I just wanted to write music. And 
Tom was the right guy. It just happened to be that he liked it and happened to be connected to OCP. There was no ulterior motive when I chose him in the first place. Right, that's great. No, and he is, he is, uh, he is good. So distributed by Oregon Catholic Press. Um, in the little time that we have left, uh, I don't want to not talk about the new album because, I mean, right. this is anywhere for you. What would you say is different about this album for you? Uh, for me, it was the intentionality with which I wrote. Um, yeah. I was writing uh, to write songs for the church specifically that the church would want to sing, that the church would want to pray with, that the church would want to use in liturgy. Yeah. Um, so there was there was definitely uh, an intention in that. And there was also an intention of not making it about me. Um, so only one song is mine yeah. by itself. The rest of the songs, I, yeah, I got... prayed about who I could write with. Amazing. So I wrote with Tom, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Tom. You've got Sarah Hart, Tom, Tom Booth again, Josh Blakesley. Yeah, this is like a who's who of. Uh, that's great. Yeah, Ben Walther. I just ben and Walther, it was like yeah. the songs came to a different place because I wanted to bring them into it, and I didn't want the songs to be about me. I wanted to be the some of the songs to rise, and 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 have their own identity and of, of themselves. So these are songs that you uh, that can be used in liturgy. Is that how you envision it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a couple of songs there that might not necessarily be able to use. Like, This Place in My Heart is more of a kind of a very easygoing, let me just yeah. sing this song on my front porch. But the majority of the songs I um, have a place in liturgy, without a doubt, and that's where I've been using them. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, this is a great album, and I love the fact that Thanks. it's collaborations. I love collaborations, and these are all great mm -hmm. artists. Um, it's not a huge album. There's seven tracks. Um, but I, I hope that people are uh, intrigued enough to go get it and to sing the songs. If it's published by Oregon Catholic Press, it's probably a songbook somewhere out there with sheet music. So uh, um, that's always very helpful for people. Yes. Um, Cooper, great having you on the show. Nice chatting with you, meeting you officially, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I will. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on. You can learn more about Cooper Ray, purchase his music, or book him for your next event at his website, cooperray.com. His new album, Anywhere For You, is published by Oregon Catholic Press. Here now is Cooper Ray with We Come Alive from his new album, Anywhere For You. Dust upon our hands in the dry of a desert we called home. You moved in your love from our death, you lifted us. Breath of life resurrecting these dry bones. You breathe in us, give us strength we never knew.
We're listening to Cooper Ray with We Come Alive from his new album, Anywhere For You. You can find out how to get Anywhere For You and how to find Cooper Ray and all our guests at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can listen to all these interviews again if you missed any part and also listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs at any time. And to make it really easy, the Salt and Light Hour is also available as a free podcast off iTunes. Just search for it on your iTunes store. Next week, we're going to be meeting singer-songwriter Danielle Noonan. Very excited to always have a new uh, singer in our program, and I hope that you can join us for that. Remember to reach out to us at Salt and Light TV. Also, I'm at Annie Callen, and Billy is at Bijo Chan. And I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for being with us. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been The, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Stop!